Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Our text for our sermon is John chapter 13, verses 36 through 38. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus replied, will you really lay down your life for me? Amen, amen, I tell you, the rooster will not crow until you've denied me three times. This is the gospel history of our Lord. Fear can be very paralyzing, but fear can also make us do foolish things. For example, right now there's a big scam where somebody who has a, a, a very rough English accent, uncharacteristic of true IRS agents, calls and lets you know that you're being audited and that unless you spend uh, several hundred to a couple thousand dollars in gift cards and give them those numbers, then, then they're going to be right there. And, and sadly, it works. People get paranoid because what happens if you get wrapped in and have your, your wages wrapped up and Gar and she trying to make payments because you made a mistake on your tax form and in fact I remember when I was a young man a family friend who as a young man when I was a child a family friend who actually lost his business due to several years mistakes made on his tax forms that he couldn't pay now the sad thing is why do people get afraid of that because they start hold freezing up your wages to take it or they take your business away they're taking your livelihood away and in fact, this is where you find even in war times and stuff in prison camps where when they think everybody's going to be killed anyways, you'll find in, uh, inmates or, or prisoners of war who will become traitors to save their life because that fear will make them look out for their life. And death can paralyze us. Literally, that fear of death will make us freeze right up. And so our sermon theme for this week is Christ overcomes death for us by overcoming its paralyzing fear. Now I'll tell you, when I used to work in a prison, that there were times where I would have to rush in to take care of something, and you real quickly found out the officers that had no backbone. I always remember one time after a very dangerous situation where we had to rush into the block to prevent a, a worse situation. And when I had taken care of that, looking back and seeing the officer who was supposed to be by my side, had turned and ran the other way. But I also worked with officers who had backbone. But sometimes a bad day, uh, kids are sick or something like that, and suddenly people who, who were not cowards at all suddenly freezing up in, in, in a paralyzing fear. And I think that it's only fair to say that's what was going on with Peter. You see, Peter was a man of action. Lots of times I've seen it where somebody mishears somebody and instead of talking to that person, they talk to somebody else who just says, and they don't deal with it because they don't want to say that's wrong. Or somebody sees a crime going on and they don't speak up. How many times have problems at where you work would they have been solved if somebody just had the backbone to stand up? Well, Peter spoke up. And Peter often spoke up. In fact, it's recorded a few times when Peter spoke up and Peter was in the wrong. Like when God's, the, the, the God man, Jesus says, I'm going to Jerusalem to die. And he rebukes Jesus and Jesus has to turn around and rebuke Peter. So 
It's characteristic of Peter that he actually is a man of action, a man who speaks up, um, not a spineless coward. And yet we're told in John chapter 18, verses 7 through 11, then Jesus asked them again, this is uh, when he's betrayed by Judas and arrested in the garden of Gethsemane. Who are you looking for? Jesus the Nazarene, they said. I told you that I am he, Jesus replied. So if you're looking for me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the statement he had spoken. I did not lose any of those you have given me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it, struck the high priest's servant and cut his right ear and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup my father has given me? Peter with an armed guard with clubs and swords coming to arrest Jesus. Peter has no problem stepping forward and doing what he thinks is the right thing. These are not the actions of a spineless coward. Now, as it turns out, he's not very good with the sword. And we're told uh, in the other gospels that Jesus actually heals that high priest servant's ear so that Peter cannot be arrested because he's not going to lose any one of them. And he, and he, would ha he should have been able to connect those dots. So once again, I don't think that Peter was a spineless coward at all. And yet we are told in Matthew 26, verses 69 through 75. Meanwhile, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. A servant girl came to him and said, you were also with Jesus, the Galilean. But he denied it in front of everyone, saying, I don't know what you're talking about. Now he's not in front of an armed crowd. He's in front of a girl. And he breaks the first commandment, denying his Lord. And he also bears false witness. When Peter went out to the entryway, someone else saw him and said to those who were there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. Again, Peter denied it with an oath and said, I do not know the man. Literally takes an oath. Now, Jewish people in those days would take an oath that would be in the name of the Lord saying, if I'm lying, let me burn eternally in hell, basically. So now he's taken the Lord's name in vain as well. After a little while, those who stood by came and said to Peter, surely you are also one of them because even your accent gives you away. Then he began to curse and to swear, I do not know the man. Just then the rooster crowed and Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Peter, who an hour or two earlier had stepped forward with that sword and was ready to die for the Lord suddenly, Things had changed. One little event. It seems here, although he does deny that he knows the Lord and he does it three times, it's a paralyzing fear. When he comes to his senses, he weeps bitterly in remorse. And just as a side note, it's very interesting. Sometimes I have people who they say, you know, pastor, this person in the church did this sin. And of course, I didn't follow Matthew 18, go and talk to them. But you go get them, sick them, sick them like an attack dog. And, and if I don't give them the level of law that they want, then they get really mad. But not everybody in every situation needs the same harshness of the law. Listen to how Jesus proclaims the law to Jesus when Peter denies him. Luke 22, verses 61 through 62. The Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the Lord's word, how he said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. He went outside and wept bitterly. Peter just needed a gentle reminder. The law didn't need to completely crush him with a severe blow. It crushed him with just a mere look from our Savior. So, 
Peter, suddenly paralyzing fear for his life, does the wrong thing. But he repents. And this, even this sin, is why Jesus would allow himself to be nailed to the cross. He had warned Peter in advance and even told him in advance, and when you come back to me, get back to work, basically. But it's really interesting. The last resurrection appearance that John records in his gospel is when Peter and the guys are out fishing and Jesus appears to them. That's recorded in John 21, verses 15 through 19. When they had eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I care about you. Jesus told him, feed my lambs. Now, the Greek word that Peter uses is not agape love. It's a different kind of love. So this translation says care about you, but it's not saying I don't love you. But the point here is he denied the Lord three times. First time Jesus asks and then tells him, get back to work. Go feed my sheep. You've been forgiven. Verse 16, a second time Jesus asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I care about you. Jesus told him, be a shepherd for my sheep. Peter denied the Lord three times. The second time, do you love me? Yeah, great, you're forgiven. Now get back to work as an apostle. You are to shepherd my sheep. He asked him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you care about me? Peter was grieved because Jesus had asked him the third time, do you care about me? He answered, Lord, you know all things. You know that I care about you. Feed my sheep, Jesus said to him. Three times Peter denied his Lord. And when Jesus appeared to him that day after his resurrection, three times Jesus assures him, you've been forgiven and I want you to get back to work. See, Christ was not afraid to go to that cross. He went to that cross for Peter and he went to that cross for you and I. Jesus overcame death by overcoming its paralyzing fear. Now, We don't sin in order to get a blessing, but it often amazes me how God will take our sins and turn them into a blessing, and that's because of Christ. Listen to what else Jesus says in John chapter 21, starting at verse 18. Amen, amen, I tell you, when you were young, you dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will tie you and carry you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which which Peter would glorify God. After saying this, he told him, follow me. Peter had denied his Lord three times that night, but the Lord went to the cross to earn Peter's forgiveness there as well. And in fact, one of the blessings that came out of that, besides obviously being forgiven, is Peter would never deny his Lord again. Peter found a backbone, and when the Romans gave him the option of denying his Lord or stay to his story, he stayed to the the truth he had seen, that Jesus Christ is true God, and he would not worship Caesar. He would not recant what he knew he had seen. So in Peter's case, Christ overcame death, overcoming its paralyzing fear. Peter would be strengthened by this, and he would never be paralyzed by fear and deny his Lord ever again. But the same applies for us. Christ overcame the fear of death for you and I. And we see that in the Garden of Gethsemane before he he is arrested. 
where Jesus prays to the Father and he's praying so fervently that his sweat is like somebody cut his forehead open, drops of blood dripping out. And he says those words, Father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. Now, he's not shirking away from God's will at all, but he knows not just the physical pain that he's going to get beat, his back's going to be ripped open, that he's going to collapse under the weight of the cross. He knows that he's going to be nailed to a cross but he also knows he's going to be abandoned by God. He knows the spiritual torment that you and I will never have to know. And yet he didn't shirk from that. He did say, if there's another way, but he said, not my will, but your will be done. And he went boldly, he even said, get up, here comes, my, here comes my betrayer, because he knew he was going to be arrested and it was going to happen. And he went boldly to that for you. He faced that so that you would have the wonderful blessing of knowing when you die, your soul may be separated from your body, but your hands are in Christ. Your soul is in Christ's hands. He faced it head on for you. In fact, Luke in chapter 23, verse 46, records Jesus's last words from the cross. Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he said this, he breathed his last. Jesus' work was done. He had done all the work to save you. Now he just had to die. And he is the only one who gets to choose the exact moment of his death. He separates his soul from his body and places it in the Father's hand. He's not actually murdered at all. And there his soul will stay safe until Sunday when he rises again. Now, you and I no longer have to have paralyzing fear about death. First and foremost... Our sins are forgiven. So with that, we know what's going to happen to us. Yes, our body and soul were meant to be together. They were not meant to be apart. They were not meant to be separated. God did not create us to die. And so there's something that sounds terrible about having your soul ripped from your body. But like a mother who who looks forward to holding the child in her arms but does not look forward to the labor and the child going through the birthing canal and all the labor pains, yet she says it's all worth it when she holds her little bundle in her arms. So you and I know that in death we're going to have our soul ripped from our body. But we know then our soul will be before God's throne. And we know it is safe in Jesus' hands. And we know he's going to return and give us a new and glorified body, uniting our soul with that so that we'll never suffer death again. Oftentimes I have to remind myself when things come, because truthfully, whenever you're afraid, if you follow that fear, you'll find out that ultimately you're afraid that it's going to impact your life. And whenever I'm worried, whenever I have fear about something, I have to stop for a minute and remind myself, Christ conquered death. Christ is risen. Christ is alive. And then the fear goes away. Because even if I were persecuted for my faith like Peter, you and I have the privilege of knowing what's on the other side. If God's going to, they're not going to take your life if God doesn't let them. And if God allows them to, he's waiting to receive your soul and you're going to be okay. And as I said, he's going to unite it with a glorified body anyways. And so just like Peter, Christ went to that cross for you. And knowing that your sins are forgiven, knowing what's on the other side of death, well, you know that Christ has overcome death by overcoming its paralyzing fear. And you and I now can rejoice and not be afraid, for we know that we are safe in Jesus' hands. Amen. 
Now grow on the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory now and forevermore. Amen.